Good morning, everybody. Welcome uh, to Ridgeview. We're so glad you decided to join us this morning. My name is Alex Baird. I'm the, the lead pastor, and we are continuing a series that we started a few weeks ago uh, called From True to Real. And we're focusing on the truth of Scripture, specifically in the book of 1 John uh, in the New Testament. But we're asking the question, of what, what if we lived as if not only was the Bible true, but that we actually believed it was real and lived it out in every facet of our life. And that actually is not something that's supposed to be um, like in our imagination. That's actually what life is supposed to be, not just knowledge of things that are true, facts about God or facts about the Bible, but actually this truth that transforms uh, the kinds of choices that we have, uh, the attitudes that we, we choose, the paths that we go down. And this series is looking at various themes brought up in the book of 1 John and how those themes, as we put them into practice, they really do uh, impact uh, our life. And so if you've missed any of this series, I just want to highlight uh, briefly where we've been uh, so far. We, we started with this most important premise, and it's this, that Jesus is real. Uh, without Jesus being real, then the basis of our faith, the Christian faith, really it crumbles. And we started by this idea of the invitation that God gives us as an opportunity to actually know him. And we know him through Jesus Christ. And so the realness of him and how that impacts our life changes everything. That was the first week. The second week, we talked about how sin is real. And actually, those are connected because if sin is real, then Jesus has to be real or, or we have a problem because we cannot bear the weight of our sin alone. And that's what Jesus does. He forgives us. He makes us clean. He allows us to connect back with God. Uh, the third week, we talked about how Christians are real. And that's a weird statement, but the idea of it, we have to actually know what it means to be a Christian. And last week, we looked at the definition of what it means to be a Christian. Someone who knows God's word, puts it into practice and lives that truth in a real way. Today, we're gonna shift gears, build on these themes, but talk about heaven and how heaven is real and actually how heaven and our understanding of heaven the fact that we believe it's real, how that impacts us uh, here and now. So what I wanna do is I wanna continue where we've been. We've really covered the first two chapters of 1 John, and now we're gonna start uh, with chapter three. So I wanna read it and then highlight uh, some key themes, key connections, and then uh, build on that. So here's 1 John uh, chapter uh, three, and you'll see it uh, on, on the screen. If I can find it in my book here. It says, uh, see... What kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. So we're going to focus on those three verses. And then I want to spend some time talking a little bit about some of the specifics that we know about heaven. And our hope from today is to take maybe some theory or some ideas and actually look at what does the reality of heaven actually mean uh, for us. But let's start with this premise that's this promise that's, that's so important. You see it in those verses I just read that we shall be called uh, children of God. Again, the reason it's so important to understand who Jesus really is is because Jesus is real. We can actually be the children of the living God. We are adopted. We are accepted. Even though sin has tarnished us, again, we're washed clean. But then 
John states this again, and you see this in the next part highlighted. It says, and so we are. So we're children of God. And then he gives another emphasis, and that's who we are. It's a reminder. And I think that's a reminder because we are the children of the living king. If you've committed your life to Christ, you're a part of his kingdom. You belong to the king. But in this world, we don't really experience that kingdom as other people relate to us. People don't treat us like we're sons and daughters of the king in this earth. In fact, in some parts of the world and even some parts of our country, being a Christian is almost worse. But here what the scripture is a reminder is, is when you are a Christian, you decide to give your life to Christ. Not only do you become a children of God, but, but your status actually changes. You belong to something that's not even of this world. And then he goes on to describe the world and he says, the reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Now this is important as we begin to build why understanding heaven is important. Because if this earth and what we know in this world is all we have, then us fitting into this world and acceptance by this world is so important. Because this would be our only existence. This would be it. We live this life and then we die and then it's, it's over. But what John is saying is, is because we're children of the living God and we belong to his, king, his kingdom and he is our king, we actually have a life that's beyond this world. And because we don't belong fully to this world, we're going on into forever, into this eternal heaven, then the world, we actually don't quite fit in. There's some sense of this understanding that they don't recognize him, they, they don't recognize us. But then he goes on and he says, beloved, we are children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. So he's saying there is a reality, you are a child of God. But understanding that full reality is, is almost like there, there's, a, there's this filter where we can't fully know it. And here is he speaking to this reality of forever that's to come. Again, the world doesn't fully understand us. We can't fully fit in. Even though we are the children of the living God, what will be has not yet appeared. And what he's saying is, is you can understand and you live in the reality of being a child of God, but you don't fully understand the completeness of that. Maybe there's a disconnect. Maybe there's things that still lack in our understanding. But he goes on and says, but you hope in him. And that is the hope that we're going to talk about for the rest of today. Because we're children of the living God, the reality of what we hope in is connected to heaven that is to come. Our hope is anchored to eternity, to forever, and John wants us to understand that when we anchor our hope to forever and to heaven and to what is to come, that actually impacts the way that we live right now. And then he goes on, he says, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. Like there will be no disconnection. In heaven and what we hope in will be complete. We'll know fully what it means to be with God, to be with him, to understand our existence. And then the last part, he gives how it changes, just not how the truth and reality come together. He says, and everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. So John is just laying out, it's just truth after truth of our existence, who we are, what we can understand, what we can't fully understand. But then he's, our hope is for this heaven that we'll get to experience. 
But then he ends with how that understanding is so important. It actually means we live a different kind of life. And hope is really like this compass of the heart, that it leads us forward to these things that changes, places maybe we can't even see yet. And here's the reality. For Christians, uh, the, the hope of heaven is real. Uh, it's so real that it alters and purifies our behavior. That's what John is hoping, that we have a glimpse of heaven, we believe it's true and it's real, that it impacts what we do here and now. I remember when I was younger, and you might have been the same, where it seemed like every decision you made was just for that day, like it just was disconnected from the the future, disconnected from consequences. And I made a lot of foolish choices when my younger years because I never thought really the future would ever come to me. It was always out there, something that didn't really impact me, and so I made choices that I filled with regret. What John is saying is because the future is real, and not only that, but we can experience heaven We need to be living this life to prepare us for that life to come, for what we will do forever. This is just like this mist, just this brief snapshot of what is to come. So let's talk a little bit about heaven and maybe some of the misconceptions. Um, A recent Pew Research, they do a lot of religious research studies. They found that 73% of all Americans believe in heaven. That's a pretty high percentage. But the interesting thing is what kind of a heaven do they believe in? Like, what what is that? Well, part of what you can do is look at the responses people have as people pass away or die, like tributes. And uh, recently, if you're a comic book fan, you may know that Stan Lee died. Here's a picture of him, of the the comic book, Spider-Man and all of those things. And uh, he was 95 when he died. And there was all sorts of tributes that came uh, on Twitter and social media uh, celebrating his life, but also speaking to what people thought was to come. And Al Roker uh, made a comment. He says, he's just waiting for us in, in Asgard. Interesting. Kind of this comic book that's like related to the Thor, uh, the Thor universe. And um, is Al serious? Well, I, I'm not sure. But he's got this some sense of an afterlife that's maybe connected to this comic book world that, that, that Stanley created. George Takei of the, the Star Wars universe says, rest with the stars, great sir. You know how hot stars are? Like, is there any rest with a star? And this isn't to mock, but it's, it's, a, it's a sense of people hope that there's something more, something of meaning, and, and when people die, you, you see it come out. And then Josh Groban, he, he made the list. Josh Groban made the list as well. Maybe you have Twitter in heaven. Like that would be your hope. You could still somehow communicate and make statements. Well, all of these where it's Asgard or resting with the stars or being able to communicate, um, that's not really enough to get you up in the morning. That's not very motivating. That's not really gonna fire me up. I'm sure it's not gonna fire you up. But if you've ever been to a funeral, you, you hear similar sentiments people that are maybe going to be shopping in heaven and they can just buy whatever they want or go golfing with Jesus. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to take maybe the best of what we have in our life right now and transport that into heaven. And maybe what we like right now, we'll get to do forever. I think some of that speaks to 
this meaning that we're made for, but I think a lot of times we, we, miss, we miss the mark. It speaks to hope, something that we can't quite have here, but we hope we'll get there. And so John is speaking of this hope that's connected not to any pursuit that we have here outside of being a child of God. And in heaven, we'll know fully what that is. We'll know fully of what that means. But I want to shift gears and, and speak a little bit about heaven through the book of Revelation, which is also written by John, the disciple of Jesus. He wrote the Gospel of John. He wrote 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. And he wrote Revelation. And Revelation is, is written really in this poetic form. And it talks about the wrap-up of the world. And it talks about heaven. It talks about things which are hard to understand and get our, our mind around. But it's poetic in nature because when you talk about things like heaven, you really need the full color of poetry than you do the black and white of an engineer. Because in that full color, when we begin to imagine, that's really what our hopes are tied to, something greater than we can experience, something more than we can know. And heaven is not an entirely foreign place for which we have no reference on this earth, we can get a little taste of heaven. Heaven is the fulfillment of what we've longed for. C.S. Lewis said this, and I love this quote. He says, the door on which we've been knocking all our lives will open at last. This is why it's so important when we speak of the creator God making us in his image. Because God made us and he created us specifically. Exactly who you are, male or female, living in this time because he created you specifically and uniquely in his image, you're actually connected to this eternal longing for something significant. That's what C.S. Lewis is saying is these doors that we've been trying to open in heaven, if you connect to God through Jesus Christ, it finally will open. And the reason for your made and your existence and your meaning will be complete. It's amazing. Everything that we hope for in this life that we can't get in heaven we'll get it even more real than we ever knew we would. It will be full. And so let's begin in Revelation. And this is like the last two chapters, Revelation 21. And this is a description of heaven. It says, and I saw, this is John speaking. And he says, and I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. So this might be one of the biggest disappointments for you if you are, let's get to the mountains, let's flee the city type of person. Because what's heaven described as here? A holy city. Now, I love the city, but I'm not normally motivated on the weekend. It was like, let's go down to downtown LA and be in traffic and be stressed and spend a lot of money and let's come home. Now, most of the times when we think of a city, we're thinking of um, traffic and crime and competition and noise and we want to escape it. How do we escape? Places we need to escape from to smell heaven. Like we, we, we need this, this break from that. But this city, as John describing, is, is not like any city we know on this earth. At first, it's described as a holy city. There is not a holy city on this earth. Now, cities can be planned magnificently. They can have great parks, great experiences, neighborhoods, which are meant to bless people. But over time, because of the choices that we make, no matter how great a city is planned, no matter how great a neighborhood is, it begins to degrade. 
even after these rains, you drive on the road and there's just potholes everywhere. You experienced that yet? Because things degrade, they, they break down. But John is describing this, this holy city and it's not about escaping reality, but it's actually about completing it. Now in a city, what we learn is, is that there's this, this plan that, that God has, this, this noble plan. And I wanna talk about the first part of why a city is significant, and it's this. In heaven, we, we've been looking for a place uh, to belong. And in the city, where, what God is building, we, we actually find uh, this place. Now, I don't know if you've ever traveled, and uh, recently I've traveled, and I you know, stay in a, in a hotel, and you're trying to find the plugs, and you're trying to find your stuff, and nothing is where it is. And then when you get home, there's like this sigh of relief. Like, I, I, I'm home. You know where everything is. You're accustomed to that. But this earth, no matter how things are put together, and even as we fly, find our place at home, there's a sense in all of us that it's, it's never quite complete. As good as it is, there's still opportunities for us to, to feel disconnected, to feel cut off, to feel alone. But there's nothing like home. And what John is saying is, is when you enter the holy city that's been built and prepared, you will feel a completion of your life that, that you've never known. There will not be a disconnect. There won't be anything lacking. As disorienting and stressful as the cities of this world are, in heaven, you will fit exactly where you're supposed to fit. You will belong. And you'll be with brothers and sisters, children of the Most High God together as one. Everything we could long for in our relationships with people will be complete. There will be no lacking. There will be no jealousy. There will be no comparison. We'll be fully connected and we'll fully belong. And then John describes some of this city. In Revelation 21, it says, And the one who spoke with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city and its gates and walls. The city lies four square, its length the same as its width. And he measured the city with his rod, 12,000 stadia. Its length and width and height are equal. He also measured its wall, 144 cubits by human measurement, which is also an angel's measurement. So he's saying that this, this city is symmetrical. It's perfect in its shape. It's designed exactly as it should be designed. And if you question that, it's been measured by the angels themselves. There's no breakdown of something that should have been somewhere and it wasn't. There's nothing that was made with faulty parts. It's made complete and perfect through God. All parts have a purpose and a place. And as the cities of this world resemble our lives where things kind of break down and they fall apart, this city of heaven, it, it does not. Every plan is good. Every project is finished. Every person belongs there. The reason this is important is because if we think again that in this life we have to fully belong, we're gonna make all sorts of choices which really impact and actually degrade the experience God wants us to have. We can chase all these things looking for people to fulfill us or looking for things to provide us only what heaven can because that's the place where we belong. That's the place where we, we fit in. And so for me, I was thinking about this, how much in this life sometimes there's just this lack of like as good of an experience is as, 
connected as you feel, it's still a struggle. You wake up the next day, and it feels like you have to start all over. But it's in those choices, which John and 1 John is saying is that's why we hope in him. We don't hope in this life. We don't hope in our career. We don't hope in our bank account. We don't hope in any relationship here. Because that hope can only be tethered in heaven where we will finally find our place and a place to belong in its fullness. But that's not the only thing that we find as we look at heaven. We've, we've also been looking for a beauty uh, to possess, all of us. And so there's this, this belonging, this planning, and this holy city, but, but this holy city is not just engineered well and measured by the angels in a place that we can fit it. It's also this beauty that, that we'll be at experience. And I think both of those belonging and beauty really sum up uh, the human existence. You know why? Yesterday, I was driving and snowflakes were falling from the heavens. And I was like a little giddy kid. And I'm driving in places that are so familiar that I've seen. I was driving thinking like, this is amazing. And there's trees with snow on them. And the roads with snow and people filming, driving with their cell phones. And people stop and what it's like all of us and you could just see it across just this whole area all of us stopped and said look look at the streets look at our houses and this beauty that's what we were experiencing i felt like i lived somewhere else for a moment we live at sierra lakes the, the golf course and the whole golf course is covered with snow it's like this winter wonderland it was so perfect because that, that really sits and just touches that, that beauty that, that we long to experience on this, on this earth. Sometimes you get this glimpse from this God who just gives us the sprinkling of snow. And it's beautiful. And even the watering of rain, which causes things to grow. It's beautiful. But we long for this, this beauty. But even that, is a poor reflection of what heaven will be. John describes in Romans 22 of more of this vision of heaven. He says, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. I love the imagery there, this poetry. So speaking of the reality, like there is light and the light comes from the living God. Like, there will be no darkness. You will be able to see in full color everything as it should be. And it will be complete. And light is really the essential requirement to see the beauty of what God has made. But the light of heaven is not just like flipping on a switch. It's that God is there. And it's hard to, to fathom. It's hard to actually put your mind around what it would be like to be in that light, to see the beauty of God and the heavens with each other. But it is the most beauty that we could ever experience in our life. Like take the greatest sunset you could ever see, the greatest sunrise, the snow on the trees like we saw, and that is just a minuscule of what the beauty of heaven will be in its full light with the living God.
He goes on to describe some of what this beauty will be. This is in verses 18. It says, The wall was built of jasper, while the city was pure gold like clear glass. The foundation of the wall of the city were adorned with every kind of jewel. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate. I actually really don't even know how to say that. Does anyone know? I was way off. But I acted like I knew until I told you that. The fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth barrel, the ninth topaz. These are a lot of streets in Rancho, by the way. Uh, the tenth chrysophrase, the eleventh jacinth, the twelfth amethyst, and the twelve gates were twelve pearls, each of the gates made of a single pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. Now, the reason when you read these, now, I'm, I'm not a poet by any nature, and it's hard for me sometimes to even fully take in the beauty that I can see. But I think some of the time of our description of heaven, we have in the back of our mind this kind of beauty. And again, we transpose like the things that we've experienced here and again, try to make it there. But what John is saying in this this vision of what it will be like is that you will see in in full color a, a beauty that you've never known. And I love how specific it is. This isn't just like theoretical. These are real things that, that you will see and it will capture your senses in a way that nothing ever will. But this kind of beauty is built on a light that never fades. And if you see the, the prism of, of color here, that's what captures the light goes in and you see the, the full prism. But if there's no light, you don't see the color. And that's why it's significant. The beauty of heaven and all its goodness and fullness, it never fades. One of the most sad things this morning was I went out in my backyard and there was no snow anymore. And all of which I enjoyed, my winter wonderland yesterday, was gone. And all I had was a soggy, wet yard that looked really ugly. In fact, I like it just covered with snow. You actually don't even need to cut it. It looks beautiful but I had just the soggy, wet yard. My son had built a snowman yesterday, and he had bought the remnants of it as it was slowly dying into our backyard. And you just have these like just blobs of snow. And the snowman that once existed was no more. And I thought like that's a lot of what this life is. We get a capture and a snapshot of a beauty, and then it fades. As good as the sunset is, the darkness comes. As good as the sunrise is, the sun comes out and we go inside because it's too hot. What John is saying is like, there's a beauty now that that there's no fate to it. There's no disappointment. Everything that you were made for belong in beauty you experience. And I love that because it speaks to just the nature of God. It's just this this beautiful experience that that we get to have with him. And the reason it's so significant is not just for the belonging and it's not just for the beauty. But in verse three, we see it. It says, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself 
will be with them as their God. To think that we have a God that loves us so much that he will create a place that will be so pleasing to us, that will hit everything that we'd ever longed for on this earth, and we'll get to be with him in something that he's created. From these visions of revelation to the words in 1 John, John is saying, you have to understand. This has to be real. If you hope only for what you experience in this world, your hope will fade. Because anything that you put your hope for, it, it doesn't last if it's of this world. My wife and I, we've been talking recently about just how old we feel. And the highlight of my life seems like now, like what time can we go to bed like, what time's too early? Like, by 8 p.m., it's like, man, that sounds really good. Like, you know, it's lying down. It's like, really? That's my life? When I was younger, it was like, I just wanted to stay up as late as I could. And you get older, it's like, what time's too early? And that, that shows just the, the shift of existence and what you hope in changes. But it, but it always fades in this world if it's anchored to anything outside of the kingdom of God. I want to encourage you. This reality does not take meaning away from your life. It gives meaning. Because what you realize is this life is not a throwaway. It's preparing you for what is to come. And if you have not yet decided to follow Jesus and give your whole life to him, you also will live forever, but it's in a place that's the exact opposite, where there will be no light. This eternal fire of judgment and darkness. And that place is hell. And so what John wants us to do in this life is to do all that we can to help connect people to forever with him, where they can find a place to belong and this beauty to possess. It should motivate us to share with others the difference Jesus has made. It should motivate us to actually give time and care to our work projects and to our chores. Why? Because that's what God does. He builds. And he builds things that are magnificent. And so as we work with our hands and as we build into people and as we share the love of Christ, we are actually tying in to what is to come. And it gives significance. That's what I want to end back in 1 John. This is what we prepare ourselves for. It says, and everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. What John is saying is don't get distracted. Don't be deceived. Don't think that you just have to keep chasing what everyone chases. No, purify yourself. Get ready. Get ready for what is to come. And build for what really matters. Help people find a place to belong here. And make sure you don't settle for anything less than the beauty of Christ. This should challenge us in the choices that we make, the things that we focus on. One more C.S. Lewis quote, because I think this is helpful. It says, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. There's so many things to pursue in this world. 
But the issue is our desires are not strong enough. They're actually too weak. We desire for something that pales in comparison to what God offers us, something that's real and lasts, the belonging and the beauty. So as the band comes up, I just want to kind of end with, with a reflection, if I may. And that's the next step. And we do next steps every week here at Ridgeview, and this is designed to take, again, the truth of Scripture and make it real by giving us a chance to apply it. So what I want you to do is, is think through this question. Uh, reflect on the hope of heaven this week, week and in some specific ways. And I'm just going to walk through these briefly. How does heaven impact my goals? Think about your life and your goals, what you spend time with, your resources. How does the hope of heaven impact your goals? Or maybe the question is, should they? Second, how does heaven impact my disappointments? When you're really down and disappointed by something, how does heaven impact that? Or should it? Third question, does heaven impact my troubles? When things go wrong, when you experience pain, when you feel down, does heaven impact those? And should it? And then the last, should heaven impact my relationships? If it's real, if what John is saying is real, how does this really impact these areas of our life? I don't know what reflection looks like to you, but I know for me, a lot of times I just need to pause and I need to ask these questions to myself and look at what I do, look at how I respond, look at each of these areas. So I encourage you uh, to do that. If I've not met you, I'd love to meet you after the service. For me, as I read this, my prayer, what I'm going to pray right now is that God will give us this eternal perspective that can become real for how we live. Let's pray that together. Father, thank you for your word, which is true, it is real, and it just raises our eyes and our senses to something so much greater than what we could just come up with ourselves. Thank you for making us, for creating us. If you didn't, we wouldn't be here, and, and we're here, and we get to experience this life. But more than that, we get to live this life in connection with forever. And God, all of us are made and we will be eternal. But if there's anyone here that's not sure if they will be in heaven with you, I pray that today they'll decide to follow you with their whole heart, that they'll surrender, that they'll realize in you they, they have a place to belong and a beauty to possess. And I pray, God, that in our decisions and with our relationships and with our pains and our disappointments that the hope of heaven will impact the impact of what we experience in this life. But we need your help as we consider these things. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.